Hong Kong Life. This is 40 Years at the Bar. I'm Paul Darling, King's Councillor 39 Essex Chambers, and in this series I'm going to be talking to friends and colleagues about experiences in the law, practices in the law, and cases that I have found of great interest. I hope you may find it interesting as well. Welcome to the latest episode of my podcast. This uh, episode is entitled Hong Kong Life. And I'm very lucky to have with me today my good and old friend, Paul Starr, who is the senior partner of the arbitration department of KWM in Hong Kong. Uh, Paul and I go back a very long way, and we're going to talk a bit together about our our life in Hong Kong. Uh, I started, my first ever case in Hong Kong was in 1993, when I appeared in front of a panel that comprised... Sir Michael Carr, Mr. Michael Thomas, QC as he then was, and Mr. Gerald Poynton. And my, it was a case about a bank guarantee. I was instructed by the marvellous Alec Emerson, and I was against Yves Durand. And I can still shut my eyes and be in all of the hearings that happened. Um, I was against, for some of it as well as Yves Durand, Humphrey Lloyd. But that was my, that was my first experience in Hong Kong, and uh, I was a sort of nervous junior and uh, very much enjoyed it and the place. Paul, when when did you go to Hong Kong? To work in 1985, and my first case was a big uh, dispute called Harbour City, which is a big sort of retail residential. I didn't know you were in Harbour City. Yes, I did that for Sin Chong, the main contractor. Sadly no longer with us, I think. Yes, uh, sadly now in liquidation. Client, they were clients um, of mine at one stage. But that I, was the biggest case in Hong Kong at the time. It was a hundred million Hong Kong dollars, and now we talk about billions yes. now with a B. But was, was was that the bit with the contract? Because there was then the the, the um, uh, Harbour City with the Eric come in and the pleading point that was that, that arose. Was was that That's the same right. same? That was the same project, was it? It was the same project, and we were quite in close collaboration with the architects Eric Cummins. Yeah. But this was actually the sort of the main building pro- dispute. Well, I was I I. It's interesting. I, I'd never realised that I was a, a pupil to John. Or one of the pupil in the chain was with John Marin, who was um, uh, the architect's junior counsel, and he uh, got me to draft the request to particulars that became then so um, central to how you proved a delay claim. I have to say, without wishing any sense to be modest, I don't think he used a single word of the formulation I suggested, but I think he, <laughs> he used it as a starting point to see where one shouldn't go. I mean, Harbour City was one of the, the great cases, wasn't it? Absolutely, yes. Uh, yes. And it, 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 it went through various different incarnations. So uh, you started with Harbour City and... W- <coughs> So you, you, you're then eight years behind when I arrived to do my bond arbitration in front of Sir Michael, which is an experience I will never forget. Um, where, where, where were you then? What, what firm were you at? Um, I was uh, at Denton's, as yeah. they then were. And, yes. and then, but when did you? Because you then became. Um, Bates and Star, didn't you, at one stage? Well, a number of us, uh, Denton's actually closed their Asian offices. And so uh, my mentors, as they then were, Robert Jukes and David Bateson and Jonathan Harris, mm. they uh, moved uh, firms and I just went with them. Yeah. Well, that's, yeah. Uh, well um, <laughs> I always think it's advisable if David Bateson moves somewhere to follow respectfully behind. Quite right. And uh, But it, in, in, 
obviously, as time has gone on, the as you just said, the um, arbitration disputes in the construction sector have got bigger and bigger and bigger. And, and, and you've been involved, haven't you, over the years in many, many of the big ones? Yes, I think my proudest one was probably the Bank of East Asia dispute, which was about limitations. It was a defects uh, yes. dispute, really, about limitation periods. And uh, Wasn't Bruce Malabro uh, in that? I'm not sure, actually, whether he, he got involved. It ended up in the court of final appeal, didn't it? Not? It did, and it, we, we won three judges to two, which is, always shows you how difficult it was. And Mr. Justice Litton said it, uh, when he retired, it was the most difficult case he'd done. So yeah. that just shows you the sort of complexity of it. And, and do you wander around Hong Kong looking at the buildings and the infrastructure projects, projects thinking, well, I did that one, I didn't do that one? Well, I have to tell you, Paul, that Donovan Ferguson, my partner and I, we do a bus tour in Macau called Great Disasters of Macau. And that, <laughs> that's not our career, Paul, but that is really, we, we say, we show people an open top bus, you know, this is our building, that's our building. Oh, that's and all marvellous. the tourists used to wave us, oh, this is all pre-COVID, sadly, no, no, that, of course. That, that, that's just but, marvellous. Uh, no, it's no, a, it it's a great tour. So yes, I've got quite interesting memories, I would say, of buildings. No, no, like, yeah, so, and it is, you know, in, in a place that is so beautifully compact as Hong Kong, you know, they're all, they're all next to each other. I mean, so, and, and when, when, what was the period for Bates and Starr? Uh, well, that would have been, it started as Dukes and Partners, then it was Bates and Harris, and then it was Bates and Starr. Yeah. So I'm guessing about 1992 yeah, yeah. for a short period, because we were really in association with Mallison, Stephen Jakes, the big Australian yes. firm. Yes. So, so, and they couldn't get their name on the doorbells of Law Society restrictions. Yes. That's really what, what, what sort of drove it. And as soon as they could get their name at about, I don't know what it was, 1996 or 1987, then they changed to Mallison. Oh, and I see. Yeah, yeah. So, yes. so effect- effectively, it's a sort of continuous practice. And then Mallison's yes. uh, and KWM in due course um, joined up and therefore, they, you know, it, it's the same incarnation in reality in its different forms. Well, unusually, unlike the younger generation, I've only been in two law firms, Paul, so I suppose it is very unusual. <laughs> well, hang on. You've only been in two law firms, but, 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 but at least one of them has had more names than that. Oh, very true. It is, it is uh, you know, as so you watch these mergers and, and, uh, and you see people sort of trying to have the long name and the short name, and it is, uh, but it also means you probably worked in the, you know, with the same sort of people, haven't you? Oh, yes. I think one good thing is the sort of the loyalty of the team. Certainly, we've had people who've been with us for many, many years, both in terms of lawyers and support staff. Yeah. You know, some of our, you will know some of our secretaries oh, and some of our I, messengers I, I, personally. I, 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 I can tell you that I regard your reception team as, um, they're, they're just wonderful. They're, they, 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 they also are quite, very much on top of what, why you're there. You know, if you're there to do a big case and, you, and you're about to be moving in and, and you know, you, you arrive, they look at you with that sort of combination of welcome and sympathy as they give you your pass card and they explain to you that the air conditioning won't be working after four o'clock on a Sunday um, and they, they shake their head sadly. But they, they, they and, and the other thing which I absolutely love, and I love it about Hong Kong generally, is the warmth of their welcome. You come in, you know, and they are they are, they, they manage to give the impression that the best thing that's happened to them in years is the fact that you happen to have arrived there. And you also, when you're doing a big case and you and you move yourself into the solicitor's office, you do form an incredibly good relationship. And if you don't, 
then then it's a disaster for you and them with the housekeeper because you know getting getting the right sandwiches and the right coffee and they, they, they look after you they, they sort of put you under their wing and you can see you know they ask you how the case is going and so you you, you um um because i uh, after i um I, mean, I didn't come after my experience in front of Michael Carr, um, which we won, I stress, before I give the wrong impression. I then came to Hong Kong um, once, once I took silk and, you know, always enjoyed. I love Hong Kong as a place, but I also love the legal community because the, the, for me, what you have is, I mean, I have my little temple connections with Hong Kong as well, which are very important to me. But what you have is you have... Um, high class small small a cadre of high class solicitors and a cadre of high class experts and a known client pool and therefore you're able to you know it's a very comfortable place for a specialist to 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 work and i think that's probably one of the things that you found most beneficial most enjoyable over the years is that even even though everyone's adversarial and everyone's very proper the reality is that it is a community where expertise and integrity is absolutely paramount. I think that's a good summary. I mean, if you go to a big function such as Society of Construction Law or the Lighthouse Club, you know, everybody's friendly, yeah. everybody's very professional. Uh, you don't get very much enmity, so to speak. And I think, you know, it's a very conducive uh, market for cutting-edge construction projects. Yeah, I mean, disputes. I mean, the fact is that one has very astute and technically able clients um and you have um well represented by lawyers who fight hard but nevertheless do so in a civilized way which means that they immediately after it can be having a a perfectly friendly discussion even though they will as soon as the case kicks back in go into the mode of fully representing the client's interests for me i think also the experts are, are are i know it's a comparatively small um um pool for some dis- for some disciplines but again um i think i very much enjoy going to the lighthouse i very much enjoy going to the scl and there are there are people the people their, their interest in the subject and their passion for the process i think is very exciting well i think quantum independent expertise programming and technical you know geotechnical for example independent expertise is very well represented in hong yeah. kong and of course, it's good to use experts that actually know that particular market and able to speak about it knowledgeably. Yeah. And they end up, don't they, having this sort of um, um, confidence and the tribunals, when they've had experts in front of them, they, 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 they become very astute at judging their, their competence and their independence. And that means that people need to be competent and independent and therefore are. So it's a pretty effective self-regulating self-regulating um and of course not much perhaps i'm wrong but my impression obviously because i don't do court work in hong kong but there isn't as much hearing work in court and so the judges aren't seeing the experts as much as the arbitrators are and so therefore the arbitrators are the sort of the quality mark i would have thought i think that's a very good um, summary 
saving the company's court where my former partner mr justice harris yes. has really finely honed expert evidence particularly in prc law which is an important yes. aspect yes. of hong Critical. kong now Critical. and he really has given quite a lot of very useful obiter dicta about how experts should comport themselves what expert content should be which i think we could actually transpose to our construction disputes yeah one of the things we're, we're, that, that's happening in the english and welsh courts is i i think that the ex, the expert process instruction uh, as well as reporting and meetings and evidence are much more um regimented and managed than um, they were before on the basis that what's thought is that you have to have a fair process so that everyone knows what documents the experts seen and things of that sort. And I think that's the sort of thing which you know, experts, um, as, uh, as did, did, did different experts in different jurisdictions have um, different experiences and that they all cross-fertilise. I had a marvellous story once about from a partner of a worldwide firm and... Um, they had all the litigation partners in a, a room. They told them all to stand up. Um, and then they um, uh, said, those who are allowed to meet their, those who are not allowed to meet their expert, please sit down. Then they went through all the various different stages of those who are allowed to discuss their expert's report with them. Um, um, and then, you know, they sit down. <laughs> and then, then it finished with, I think, you know, those who are allowed to coach their expert as to what the right answer is. And 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 you had, you had this sort of... Um, but, but I think that my experience in Hong Kong is that the experts are good, helpful, know what they're doing, and recognise the the fact that by being independent, that they're doing a, the right job for their client as well as for the judge or the arbitrator. Absolutely, and I think good tribunals have also got experts involved at an earlier stage. So that sort of the case management of experts yeah. has definitely improved. I think in Hong Kong arbitration. I mean, when I first was doing my first case in Hong Kong, obviously the HKIAC was a comparatively small organization in what i think well i did go there when it was the police station but just before it moved from the police station the old police station into its new premises which have then you know become you know they're all the time um very technologically friendly and and great space and and and, and all, all the assistance my my impression and I, I we haven't actually spoken about this so i doing that bad thing of asking a question I don't know the answer to. But my impression is that the Hong Kong arbitrator community, both resident and visiting, has acquired a the, – the, the expertise and and case management techniques have grown pretty strongly and, and that the, 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 the arbitral community in Hong Kong is in a pretty good place, frankly. I think that's very noticeable. And I think perhaps because we now rely so much more on technology – uh, you, one has to case manage even earlier and even and even more precisely. I think yeah. that's a good sign. I mean, I think. I mean, I think that, that that what I think is interesting about Hong Kong, obviously, I, when I do done construction cases and some commercial cases, um, what one sees is the the um, people from different disciplines of arbitrator and different experiences coming together. And you can see the impact on the ideas that pass between them. I mean, for, we, I, I was in front of a particular arbitrator not that long ago, and it was quite plain to me that one of the orders that he made were um, one of the orders that he made was um, come from a, a seminar that I'd actually been at. So it was it was quite really quite interesting. The um, mind you, of course, when we're talking about our experience, you, you will of course remember yours and my most significant experience with an arbitrator which was when our clients were 
without obviously identifying that our clients were seeking to accept an offer just before the case started. And if the case started, the offer expired. And they decided that they were now going to accept it. And you were therefore being instru you were instructed to write out the acceptance and to so, hand it over to your opponent. There was, however, anxiety that um, this might not happen in time and that the arbitrator might come and start the arbitration. And that once the arbitration was started, we would, the, the offer would no longer be available. And I see any time when you when I bet you ever had to give these instructions to leading counsel, go and stand in the door and don't let the arbitrator pass. <laughs> now you were lucky that it. I, I, I mean, I, I'm larger than I ought to be, but I'm large anyway. Um, and and it is certainly correct that the arbitrator, now a respected judge of the High Court of Hong Kong, uh, he uh, he. Um, was trying quite hard to get into into the arbitration room and, and couldn't quite work out. Whenever he moved the left or the right, I did the exact equivalent. And I, I, I'll not I'll not forget seeing you um, hand the, the the acceptance to your opponent, and uh, I, I I and you nodded at me, and I moved out of the way, and the arbitrator went into the room. Some might say that. That's the the important thing. There was not my legal ability, but my ability uh, a to a to fill the hole, the, the gap in the door. But b when the arbitrator began to get a bit testy, to to sort of start to try and diffuse him. Um, but it all ended happily. But I mean, I, I can't walk past that bit of the HKIAC even now without seeing me and and he. he I did subsequently because the the judge in question teaches on the Keeble Advocacy course. Um, um, there was an occasion many years later when I, probably 10 years later, when I was able to say to him, you do know that that was what my instruction was, to just to stand in the doorway. He said something quite rude, but there we are. Um, <laughs> it is, um, but that, of course, was one of those marvellous cases where I had um, been lucky enough to say to the clients that I thought um, something would happen. And, and then shortly afterwards, it happened. And therefore, I was able, you know, me standing in the door was, 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 was certainly a bigger contribution, but I had made, <laughs> I had made another. And of course, the Hong Kong bar appears to thrive. I'm going to be lucky enough to be treasurer of Middle Temple next year. And I'm hoping very much to um, um, be, be involved in the Hong Kong Middle Temple Society. And my impression is that um, um, I was when I was last there for the Hong Kong International Racing, um, I, um, which was a marvellous day. Um, I, um, it, it was the time when um, Tim Hill was having his retirement party, and uh, I was able, therefore, to go and see all my uh, all my Hong Kong barrister mates, and they all seem in fine fettle. I mean, it is. Uh, well, it's certainly a very busy market. Uh, certainly, yeah, it's uh, getting I, busier. Well, I, um, I, um, having been in chambers with both Philip Bolding and Ian Pennicott for a long time. Um, who one sees out there, uh, but it's, it, I have to say I think it is that the, the, the members of the um, Hong Kong bar, um, of course, was it, I can't remember whether it was with you that I was uh, leading him, but before he took Silk, I was lucky enough to lead Victor Dawes um, in in, uh, in in a great case, and I, I have the impression that they that they are um, uh, thriving. But I, I also have the impression, and, and let's just test this that. Um, the um, obviously what the specific cases can produce specific outcomes, but I, I also have the impression that um, that the relationship between the arbitral institutions, parties, and the courts that actually that Hong Kong is a pretty happy arbitral place at the moment, and that the disputes 
are the the, the balance the, the balance between those various different parts of the system works better than was working well um and the, and the people are happy with it but it, obviously that's that's obviously in any jurisdiction that could change with the personalities but i have the impression that everyone's um um the, the collaboration between the various different elements of the process clients as well um is, is in a good phase well, I think the Hong Kong government and the mainland government have made these special arrangements for arbitration, which yes. are quite unique. Yes. To give you an example of that sort of co-relationship you're talking about, of course, there's the asset preservation. Yes. That if you're doing an arbitration in Hong Kong now, it's very easy now to apply to one of the Hong Kong arbitral institutions for a letter to the PRC courts yeah. to freeze assets in advance of the arbitration. And, uh, you know, that's an amazing, unique yeah. advantage now, which shows the synergy you're just describing. Yeah. And I, I think it's quite interesting because I, I, I think that governments around the world have woken up to the fact that in different ways, in different times, in different places, but woken up to the fact that that arbitration is something that, um, A, should be supported, but B, if you support it, you can see the benefits of the support. And you can see that if you do, if you do do things that improve, um, for example, the example you've just given, then, then you can see that that then provides, um, um, benefits, A benefits for the, the process, but B makes the process even more popular. Absolutely. So, I mean, yeah. HKIC seems to me to be a pretty, well, I mean, I haven't, obviously, having done some, some, a little bit more stuff remotely recently rather than, rather than face to face. Um, but I always feel as though it's part of a, um, a very sort of happy arbitral community. Yes, I think we've got a very, we're very lucky, really, because of course we have SeaTac, the big China institute, yes. as well in Hong Kong, and of course the ICC. So I think we we do have You've a very the, wide yeah. variety of party uh, institutions represented in Hong Kong. And if you contrast that with twenty years ago, twenty five years ago, both in terms of the size of the ones that were there and the, the reach, and and the skills and expertise. I mean, I, um, I, um, um, when, when I was doing a case last that you, you, you know something about, of course, one of the great things about it was that there were, and I can't remember who, so I'm not, I'm not being discreet. I'm just being forgetful. In the HKIAC, there were, there was some grand arbitration going on. And occasionally one would see one of the world leading figures come out of a room and, um, only for a second and they were sort of somehow almost covered in a cloak as it were and um um one that they then they they were terribly pleased that they were able to be i don't think it was a dispute to do with hong kong and i haven't found out what it was um um quite rightly but it was um but you could see though that um when they uh, discovered that they were staying in the same hotel as the rest of us, that there was momentary panic uh, that, that somehow this might mean to, might lead to, to... But in fact, it was a terribly, terribly um, effective process. And what's... what's I mean, ho- now COVID is over. I was lucky enough to be in Hong Kong for the international as a guest of the Hong Kong Jockey Club and um, met lots of my wonderful racing friends. And I was back at my... This is a... Um, um, personal bit but i was back to my great delight at the, at the grand hyatt where i as you know spent a long time i have the impression that is this right that that socially restaurants hotels hong kong is very much over covid 
Well, my barometer always is new restaurants and new bars. And I can very happy to tell you, Paul, there are a lot of new restaurants and bars in Hong Kong. <laughs> and a lot run by Europeans. I don't know if that's telling me something about Europe as well. Oh, certainly a lot of new influx of uh, French oh, and Spanish restaurants. Yeah. I mean, I, I, um, I, 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 when, when I'm doing a case in Hong Kong, uh, I have a routine. Um, when I am cross-examining, I will eat either in my room or in the hotel um, and have the papers with me. Um, and uh, to the extent that one almost thinks one's getting help preparing it from the waiter. Um, but when I will go, but if I'm not cross-examining and therefore um, not under quite the same pressure, I do like to go out as part of the, the process. So the, the news that there is a, um, the news that there is um, uh, lots of new restaurants popping up in places is, is, is particularly good. Um, I, 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 I just think that bit of that part of Hong Kong is just simply wonderful. I, I confess, as you'll gather, that you know, I, I, I'd happily have lived there. I would happily live there. I think it's the most amazing place. Absolutely, yes. No, and um, I, uh, the one thing I can now share uh, as we conclude um, is one of Paul's many characteristics is that he is a wine buff. And um, if you ever go to a restaurant with him, it's at least a 50-50 chance that we, he will have elected to pay the corkage and bring his own wine with him. And I have to say, if ever you get the chance to, to experience that, the only advice I'll give you in this podcast is I take that opportunity. And Paul, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, I, I um, look forward to us seeing each other again um, uh, soon. And um, as I say, do give my best wishes to all my many, many friends in Hong Kong and tell them how much I'm looking forward to coming to see them. I hope it'll be before the international races in December. Um, but if it is, it may be even Hong Kong Arbitration Week. Um, but I'm very much looking forward to being back in what I regard as my uh, second home. Thank you very much, Paul. Look forward to seeing you.